Happy Monday, Blueprint Network. Today is January 14th, 2019. I'm Dr. Grant Chandler, Executive Director of the MyXL Statewide Field Team, and this is Blueprint Symposium. Welcome to this inaugural episode as we expand our everyday conversations about systemic reconfiguration with you, our colleagues in the Blueprint Network. Building systems, changing the way people operate, disrupting the status quo, and committing your district to successfully educating each child is complex work, not designed for the faint at heart. We have seen that those district leaders who are successful have figured out how to, as Adam Coco, superintendent from Kearney NATO says, live and breathe systemic reconfiguration rather than just approaching it as a complex set of tasks. With that in mind, we have created the Blueprint Dialogue series, and this podcast is part of that work. Continuing our weekly blog, Blueprint Installation Central, this blog is a brief, short read designed to share information with Blueprint leaders, to alert them to changes in the online warehouse, to remind them of upcoming professional learning and networking opportunities, and to continue to explore the issues inherent in saving the lives of Michigan's children. But the more we can talk with you and with your teams, the more successful you will be in realizing this work on a daily basis. To that end, we created and launched additional bi-weekly blogs for targeted audiences. Inspire for board members and superintendents. Trailblazers for building leaders and the central office administrators who support them. And Pathfinders for teachers and the building administrators who courageously support them. Today, we expand on those blogs to build the dialogue series. These new resources allow us to dig a little deeper into some really good thinking, and they allow us to extend meaningful dialogue with our many colleagues in the Blueprint Network. Blueprint Symposium is a bi-weekly companion to Blueprint Installation Central. Here we will dig deeper into issues and ideas presented in the blog, but now in greater detail. Blueprint Extra is a bi-weekly video companion that will come out on the off weeks of Blueprint Symposium. Blueprint Extra will focus even more tightly on issues and thinking presented in the blogs and in the symposium. Following each episode, we'll invite you to a Twitter chat session to continue the discussion in real time. Realizing Systemic Reconfiguration is a library of podcasts soon to be available that each dive deeply into each component of the blueprint, its installation, and other key ideas and concepts like at scale or the collision between the instructional infrastructure and the student support network. We hope you'll share these new resources with anyone in your district who can benefit from this ongoing dialogue. Our goal is to help you live and breathe this work so that you will realize your goals of high levels of student achievement for each child for whom you have the privilege to serve. In today's episode of Blueprint Symposium, there are three distinct segments. In diving deeper, we'll explore the need to have one vision, one strategic plan, one coherent plan for continuous improvement if we are to realize success for each child. 
in Becoming a Network of Disruptors. We'll explore in more detail David Naylor's article, Kill Your Status Quo Before It Kills You, which appeared in the blog in December, and we'll connect his thinking to Michael Fullan's comments in his recent book, Indelible Leadership, Always Leave Them Learning. Finally, I will be joined by this week's special guest, Kathy Moni, Associate Director of the Statewide Field Team, where we will engage in a challenging conversation about the process of measuring high-quality instruction. And we'll leave you with an opportunity to engage with me further on Twitter. As I often said for over 20 years in my classroom, allons-y, let's go. In today's Diving Deeper segment, we'll explore the need to have one vision, one strategic plan, one coherent plan for continuous improvement if we're to realize success for each child. There are a myriad of needs that confront district leaders. All too often, we have very little time to think about, let alone systemically respond to those needs and the demands placed on us by others. So we do what all caring individuals do. We quickly remedy a solution. Heather Zavadsky calls these band-aids. And I quote, one of the biggest problems cited in reform literature is the common reactionary approach of layering on programs that become band-aids rather than long-term strategies to well-defined goals, end quote. And another quote, again by Heather Zavadsky, one important commonality shared by many of the Broad Prize districts is their understanding that scaling improvement beyond one great teacher or school requires aligning the parts of the system around core elements linking directly to teaching and learning. At the highest level of the organization, the Board of Education and the superintendent, Together, they must partner with one another to focus the work of the district on teaching and learning and to systemically reconfigure so that the district can effectively and without fail educate and support each child to high levels of success. I'd like to label this segment today, Avoiding the Confusion, or better yet, Bringing Focus to the Work. For the past several years, I've had the pleasure of working quite intensely with a large number of districts who are engaged in this work. And one of the interesting observations is the number of directions districts choose to get to what they value most, high levels of student achievement. Picture this, you're headed to a unique destination and traveling along the super highway of life to get there. When all of a sudden you come to a juncture and there are too many choices from which to choose the next phase of your journey. You wonder if it matters which one you choose. Do they all end up in the same place? What's the difference between each choice? Are some easier than others? Are some more direct than others? Are some required? Will I get there faster if I choose one path versus another? It's like a wild fork in the road with multiple paths and they all look good. Hey, and if one's good, maybe more than one is even better. And in no time, the district has multiple ways of getting where it wants to go. The trouble is, there is little alignment and approach between these multiple paths. Each path is difficult enough to do on its own, and thus successfully maneuvering multiple distinct paths with different approaches is time-consuming, exhausting, 
and if we're honest with each other, counterproductive to getting where we need to go and want to go in a short amount of time. Let's bring this to the world of the Blueprint Installing District now. The Blueprint is a system of systems intended to, when properly installed and skillfully executed by highly trained leaders and teachers committed to the success of each and every student, provide the most effective, efficient roadmap to district success. It's designed to streamline the multiple paths and to focus the district's energy, commitment, and focus to those systems that are most closely associated to student achievement, teaching, and learning. So part of disrupting the status quo is thinking differently about the many moving parts that often work counterproductively with one another and instead focusing the district's efforts clearly and succinctly on what it intended all along, student academic success. What are some of those moving parts? Vision, mission, strategic planning, continuous improvement, selecting a superintendent, identifying and evaluating superintendent's goals and performance, evaluating staff, progress monitoring and regularly updating the board, selecting, supporting, and growing leaders and teachers. Beginning with the board's commitment to systemic reconfiguration and to successfully educating each child, all of these critical endeavors must be aligned to the Blueprint's network of systems, drivers, and routines. But you simply confuse the organization and diminish its ability to drive the results you seek in a relatively short amount of time. Remember, the Blueprint is about dramatic improvement. Incremental change is great when all of our children are successful. If we're losing even one, then we need to do this work differently. And many of us, sadly, are losing children in far greater numbers than just one. So let's go back to the vision of that super highway. If we do this work correctly, you won't arrive at a juncture with multiple choices and paths. Instead, you'll continue on that smooth super highway, stopping along the way to connect with those important efforts, strategic planning, continuous improvement, selecting or evaluating a superintendent, to name a few. But they're all designed to keep you moving forward on your highly focused path to save lives. The Blueprints tools and resources exist to help you in each of these efforts every step of the way. This alignment will propel you forward and provide the strong foundation and direction you need to succeed. In today's Becoming a Network of Disruptors segment of Blueprint Symposium, we'll explore in more detail David Naylor's article, Kill Your Status Quo Before It Kills You, and connect his thinking to Michael Fullan's comments in his recent book, Indelible Leadership, Always Leave Them Learning. Let's first begin with reminding ourselves of a few of the comments that we've already heard when we talk about and introduce the blueprint. Ron Edmonds said in 1979, 
how many effective schools would you have to see to be persuaded of the educability of poor children? If your answer is more than one, I submit that you have reasons of your own for preferring to believe that basic pupil performance derives from family background instead of school response to family background. We can, whenever and wherever we choose, successfully teach all children whose schooling is of interest to us." End quote. Several decades later, Karen Chenoweth in 2014 said, quote, we know what works in education. The research is prolific. Amazingly then, the question today is not about what works, but about why we do not implement what we know what works in all schools for all kids, end quote. Taking that question a little bit further, Pfeffer and Sutton, way back in 1999, talked about this knowing versus doing gap, that talk often substitutes for action, that fear prevents risk-taking and innovation, and that often measurement focuses on the wrong things. And they said, and I quote, it is not the inertia of indifference or, igni or ignorance, but knowing too much and doing too little. I first shared David Naylor's article with you in a December edition of Blueprint Installation Central. There I summarized his five major ideas and gave you a link to the entire article. I'd like to share some of his other ideas from the article here in this segment. And I quote, in years past, incremental improvement, marginal increases, and slight innovations were enough. Today, those who cling to this legacy thinking put themselves and their organizations in harm's way, end quote. It's amazing to me how many people in our industry accept the failure of children and who cannot accept the idea of all children being highly successful given the right academic and non-academic supports. We have educators who do not even believe that hard work on our part is necessary or valuable because these kids just don't have the ability to be successful. Perhaps I'm too quick to judge the shortcomings of adults in our industry. Perhaps they've just fallen prey to the destructive power of the status quo. As Naylor argued, both individuals and organizations fail to recognize the weight, drag, time, and energy-sucking effect of the status quo. It all too frequently depowers, demotivates, and disengages all that it touches. How many times have we heard or seen these things play out in our districts? Excuses, blame, rationalization, a closed-minded cling to the past, a willingness to give up early and often, being very reactive to how we spend our days, and fear. So Naylor gives us five things to think about in killing the status quo. One, disrupt excuses, blame, and rationalization. Two, disrupt the closed-minded cling to the past. Three, disrupt the willingness to give up early and often. Four, 
disrupt the reactive firefighting nature of how we spend our days. And five, disrupt fear, end quote. How do these connect to the blueprint's foundational elements or outer ring? What do they say about collective responsibility? For the blueprint strives to eliminate most of those status quo elements that Naylor argues for us to disrupt. You can't have collective responsibility and at the same time harbor excuses, blame, rationalization, cling to the past, giving up the, the ability and willingness to give up early and often, and to approach our work in a very reactionary way. Finally, I'd argue that collective responsibility destroys fear and brings about the possibilities of new outcomes and new benefits for all of us. I quote again from Naylor, there has never been a better time to kill your status quo. Letting go of limiting legacy thinking is the key. Look at yourself, your people, your team, or your organization differently. Disruption is all around you. Failing to acknowledge it puts you in peril." End quote. So Naylor wrote this article for the business community. When you think about our work, disrupting the status quo, saving the lives of children, the urgency and need for disruption become not only important, as a competitive necessity, but also as a matter of life and death. Nothing is more important than that. Not our own comfort, not our own convenience, not even our own career trajectory. There is nothing more sacred than saving our children. What else could matter more? So let's connect Naylor's thinking to how Michael Fullan talks about the status quo in his new book, Indelible Leadership. And I quote from Fullan, the status quo is proving enormously resistant to unseat, even though there are many who strongly desire transformation. In big change, the problem is that people are not confident in a new radical alternative partly because they cannot imagine what it might look like and do, and also because they do not have the capacity to pull it off. The importance of getting your teams ready to disrupt the status quo and to see what is possible to build their own capacity to disrupt this is key. We won't change the outcomes in our schools and districts without a new way of systemic thinking and without a new way of using those systems and supports as we go about changing how we do our work, end quote. But isn't that what Ryan McLeod from East Point Community Schools said at last year's Blueprint Institute? It's not just the systems alone that will be necessary for us to be successful, but each one of us will have to change our practice in order to maximize the impact of the systems we put in place. Again, I quote from Fullen, the push factors, bad status quo, 
And the pull factors, exciting pedagogy, global competencies, enabling leadership, form the seeds of the perfect storm, end quote. I defined this disruption several years ago in the manner in which I wrote about and spoke about urgency, a key ingredient in a district's ability to systemically reconfigure. Think about what we've heard from Naylor and Fullen as I remind you of how we define urgency within the Blueprint Network. Urgency means that we no longer accept the failure of any child or student, and that we no longer rationalize that failure based on family background, economic status, disability, level of parental support, or any other condition the districts have used in the past to downplay the failure of the school system to educate the children placed in our care by parents and guardians who trust us to do what is morally and ethically right for their children, even if they cannot help us do that themselves. Urgency means nurturing them caring for them, adapting our system equitably to meet their needs, taking a student where he or she is and deciding that we as a system have the skill and the will to support that student, to find out what his or her aspirations are, and to put an educational program in place that goes beyond mere consequences, to skillfully guide a student to the fulfillment of those aspirations because she or he has been supported by a collective body of educators who see the urgency of not allowing one more student to perpetuate any longer the cycle of failure and poverty. Let the thunder and lightning continue, for it is our time to create the perfect storm. It's time to welcome this week's special guest, where we will engage in a challenging conversation about the process of measuring HQI, high quality instruction. So I am delighted to introduce Kathy Money, Associate Director of the Statewide Field Team. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you for joining me for our inaugural episode of Blueprint Symposium. Thank you so much for having me, Grant. I'm thrilled to, to be a part of this inaugural episode. I'm looking forward to extending the conversation, the dialogue in the field, and knowing that um, our superintendents, those that are courageous enough to be leading systemic reconfiguration, are interested in hearing um, what, what's working, what's happening, and extending their understandings and their knowledge. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be here with you today. Well, and I'm thrilled that you are here, and I am thrilled about all the great work you do in the field. You know, this, this particular spot came up after a, you and I had a lengthy conversation yesterday. So it'll, it'll be kind of fun to put this out there for other people to hear. Um, we're going to spend a few minutes, just about 10 or so, talking about high quality instruction, the importance of the vision, preparing our district leaders and teachers for the visions, and what's critical to moving forward as we begin to measure HQI report HQI, provide coaching support and feedback for teachers charged with delivering HQI. So it sounds like this is all things HQI mm -hmm. for the next few minutes. Um, why do you think it's so, or what do you think is so unique about visions of high quality instruction? Well, I think what, um, first and foremost, it provides a clear um, 
path for where everyone's striving to reach or aspiring to reach in the district. So it allows for everyone to understand what they're striving for, what the target is. And what's unique about the work specifically within the blueprint is that those visions are subject specific. So it really challenges districts to to look at research, to look at their understandings and their beliefs and really create a vision in which all students can achieve at the highest levels in every content area. So I think that isn't that isn't typical of what what occurs in education. Yeah, I think absolutely. And the other thing that I, I would just throw out there is that you know, we really encourage blueprint districts to in in creating their visions to create a vision that is so lofty that it's not the current practice, mm-hmm. and that can be unnerving mm-hmm. for people. I I remember a conversation I had when we were we were rolling out and talking about the vision of high quality science, and this group of very brave teachers, you know, said, you know we think this is probably the right thing to do and this is what instruction should look like, but we have no idea how to do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's just a really important idea that I'm not sure that all of our folks remember all the time is that this isn't a vision about just describing what, what relatively good instruction currently looks like. We're really trying to raise that instructional bar to something that is so high quality it transcends what we currently commonly see mm-hmm. in districts and you know from my perspective and you know I'm curious about yours that's really that's one of those areas where we start to disrupt the status quo because we start to make people feel a little bit uncomfortable yeah which was the, the phrase that came to my mind with you know thinking about disruption and especially with the status quo and thinking about um, you know, most, most educators tend to be perfectionists and they don't, they want the highest marks. They want to be able to see that what they're doing is um, the highest quality in being in a space where we're saying is that when districts are saying for the first time, here's what we're aspiring to, we know we're not all there. We couldn't all be there. We've never had these visions before. And we're going to help us, every one of us, get closer and closer to that, that target. It's that, that's very disruptive for educators. Yeah, and certainly you know, current practices around evaluation and, all, and you know, many other things that districts have to do make that more complicated, right? Mm-hmm. Make that more complicated because, because of that. But, you know, how do we help teachers and leaders understand the growth mindset aspect of these visions? I think the biggest thing, I mean, especially given what you just mentioned about, um, you know, current practice or previous practice with evaluations, it's, they're often connected to one or two classroom observations in a, in a year and brief conversations around that. So thinking about the shift, the significant shift to creating this growth mindset culture in a school district needs to occur through continuous conversations about instruction. 
So having principals as instructional leaders in classrooms, look, measuring the degree of high quality instruction in relation to their vision and having the, that continual feedback process in place for them is, is how they districts can shift, begin to shift that, that culture of, I, I see my principal once or twice a year, maybe more, not saying that that's everywhere, and I receive a rating on an evaluation versus I see where I am in relation to our vision for high quality instruction and what my next steps are to get even closer to that. So, you know, we were talking yesterday about the just some districts and some leaders and some teachers and some principals, you know, they, they really want, they, they push back at how we recommend that districts measure high quality instruction. Um, any, any, any reactions to that? You know, you and I had a, a, a rather spirited <laughs> conversation about why, why, why I thought that was so important anyway. Um, anything you want to share at that moment about uh, your thoughts about why we measure high quality instruction the way we do? If this is such a lofty goal, why do we measure it that way? The, the current, well, what we recommend in regards to measuring where the instruction is in relation to the vision allows for honest feedback around where a teacher is in regards to then what those next steps are and how you support and how the district can determine whether or not they're um, the next layer of that, the instructional infrastructure is at curriculum and assessments are actually in place for teachers to achieve that. So if we're not honest in measuring where the classroom instruction is in regard in relation to the vision for high quality instruction, then, then we're never going to move the district any closer to that lofty goal. So it was interesting today, as I was in a district, there was, there was lots of conversation around um, giving feedback and being honest and why, why in education we often shy away from that and why, why we're, as leaders, it appears that we're being unkind if we give feedback that would say that your instruction today did not meet what we're looking for in, in regards to high quality instruction. So the superintendent actually had brought up a, a quote um, from the, the newest national college football championship um, coach, his name's um, Debo Swinney. And he said that um, we have to be critical. You have to rank people and it's hard. When you have adversity in your life and it doesn't go your way, it can destroy you, can define you or it can develop you. And so the superintendent was really pushing with this and with his principles around the need to be honest about what it is they're seeing in their classrooms in relation to their visions for high quality instruction and to stop tiptoeing around it. So our conversation last night, very spirited around, well, what if a district doesn't want to give that feedback 
immediately, but wants to just in regards to yes or no, this is an example holistically, this instruction and this moment in time is aligned to the district's vision for high quality instruction or no, it's not. And if for a teacher to receive feedback via email, which is what we were talking about, saying, no, your instruction doesn't meet the mark, then are they going to shut down? Are they going to even pay attention to here's the feedback that can get you closer to that if the conversation starts with, uh, nope, you're not there. And that's where it was this back and forth banter between you and I in regards to, so how do we get them there? So let's think about that for just a minute. You know, I mean, I'm going to throw another thought out there that we didn't talk about last night, right? So, you know, we have this vision that we created a vision that not, you know, I'm a teacher in the district and this vision is something that we should be aspiring to, but we're not there yet, right? It's such a of high quality that, you know, falling short of that bar doesn't mean I'm horrible and it doesn't mean I'm, I'm providing bad instruction. It simply means that I, that, that what you see in my classroom on that given day doesn't rise to that level. But isn't that what I should expect at first? I mean, mm -hmm. if the district has done this right, mm -hmm. shouldn't I expect for a while that the, as a teacher, that the answer is no, but you're getting closer and closer and closer. And we as an organization are learning more and more and more and more about this vision of high quality instruction. And we're all getting closer to it, but we've, we're not there yet. And, and that should be okay. Yeah. And I think that, I think the challenge grant is this whole, if the district has done it, this right and how, how simplistic it may seem to sit around a table to create these visions when you've got research in front of you and you see this as, okay, here's the mark. Yes. I mean, you can look at any one of the, our, our example vision documents and no one disagrees with them. It's what the research says. Creating those visions, communicating that we now have visions and here's how we're going to measure and what we're going to do. And then actually doing it, that's, that's a different story. So I can do everything right, kind of put that in air quotes, that we've communicated it, we've made sure we're building shared understanding around it, what does that look like? But when you really start that process of being in classrooms, measuring, you've, that pushing past this this discomfort with some educators that this isn't about, well, are you ever rating in this one moment in time, but it's about this process and where you are in relation to what we're all aspiring to. That's a significant shift from a traditional district versus a blueprint district. So I, I'm, again, thinking about this group of science teachers from several years ago. And I've, I've had this high-quality instruction conversation with multiple teachers and multiple districts across this great state. And only one group, and it was that group of science teachers, where they were huddled in the room and wanted the door shut and were afraid to say to me, the outsider, but I don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. right? But that should be 
the norm, right? Yeah, exactly. That should be our norm is if we've created the right vision, there should be a lot of conversations around, but I'm not sure how to do that. And, I, that, has and to that should be okay and yeah, valued. Yeah, and it has to start from the superintendent, all of the leaders, all, everyone's conversation. So when you think about taking things to scale, even how we view this process and our language and that messaging around that and, and it being okay that we don't know how to do it. I have no idea what this looks like. I believe in it, but I don't know how to put it into action in my classroom. That's got to be the conversation coming straight from the superintendent all the way through the organization. And just because I don't know how to do that doesn't mean I'm a bad teacher. Absolutely. This isn't isn't about good or bad. And even as a a building principal, if I don't know how to, to recognize high quality instruction based on those visions, that doesn't make me a bad principal. It's simply what, what do I need to know and understand? How do I build my understanding? So it's not, it's a growth, it's growth across the entire organization is we all now are striving for the same vision in she say ELA instruction. Now we're all working hard to make sure that we're getting closer and closer to that. And it may be quite a while before we arrive at that vision, right? Yeah, yeah agreed. Absolutely. Because when you think about, I mean the the shift and we talk about disrupting the status quo it when it's it's about these visions are you know one of our superintendents early on said you know it's all fun and games you know when it's you're sitting around the table and you're developing these visions but but really getting to understand the complexity of instruction for each content area and having the ability to recognize it and to coach around it and to change my practice in the classroom that's that's tough stuff Mm-hmm. Some of us have been doing some some really great things in the classroom, but those great things aren't necessarily supporting what that high quality ELA instruction needs to look like in order to to get results for kids. So, if we were to recap, just a couple of really important points here. If I'm a teacher, what do I need to remember about this whole HQI measurement process? that it's a vision in which I'm aspiring to, that I'm my support, my administrators and my district are measuring to what degree uh, my instruction is in relation to that and knowing I'm not going to hit it probably for quite some time, but I'm going to grow closer and closer to that. And so if that's what we want teachers to remember, what do we want leaders and central office folks to remember about this process? Think all of that and understanding then how we measure needs to be transparent. It needs to be right from the beginning that we're not expecting because we've never had this vision before. So central office, building leaders, messaging has got to be consistent around we're aspiring to these visions here's what we're going to do how we're going to measure 
how we're going to use the data to get closer and closer to our instruction hitting the mark. And then I want to talk, I want to just reference this in, in, in relationship to an earlier segment of this podcast where I said and talked a lot about disrupting the status quo, right? And saying, hey, at the end of the day, this is about saving lives. And that means that all educators, regardless of what position they're in, it's not about their own comfort. It's not about their own um, sense of self-worth. It's not about their career trajectory. This is about the lives of the children that are in these classrooms every single day. And their lives are worth a little bit of discomfort sometimes. Their their lives are worth... um, kind of helping the organization to create that growth mindset so that we can get even better at what we do. Mm-hmm. Well said. Thank you very much. It's a great having you uh, on this segment and uh, I know I'll be seeing you soon. We've arrived at the end of episode one of Blueprint Symposium. I hope you found this new work to be useful to your ongoing efforts. And I thank you for spending some of your valuable time with me. The next episode of Blueprint Symposium will be broadcast on January 28th. In the meantime, please follow me on Twitter at Grant A. Chandler. I'd like to leave you with this question today. To what extent have you made the work of systemic reconfiguration your everyday way of conducting business? How were you able to do that? And how do you continue to build your momentum? Let's continue this conversation on Twitter using the hashtag, hashtag disrupting the status quo or hashtag blueprint, capital B, underscore, all caps, SWFT. That's hashtag blueprint with a capital B, underscore, all caps, SWFT. From all of us at the statewide field team, here's to a great week of educating and supporting each child.